0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you doing? I'm Monday. doing well, Daniel. Doing well, man, thanks. Is Monday ever fine? No. Monday is never <laughs> fine. Monday, because you and I, I mean, listen, it's the start of a work week, yeah. which is always a little rough for people, but you and I have the entire weekend of news to catch up on, so it's hard for me to triage the stories to find out, what I, you know, I can't get into your heads and find out what the most important things you all need on Monday is. So I have to kind of make judgment calls. It always worries me that I'm going to miss something. So I got a lot to get to. Uh, let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Let me ask you something. What are you doing when you store jumper cables in your car? When you purchase health insurance, dental insurance, you put money in a four hundred one k or an IRA. The answer is you're insuring the things that matter, your financial future, your health, your children's health, your home. If you have home or flood insurance, why would you not have a food insurance plan? It's insane. We just saw that crazy report about the Russians uh, and the Chinese government putting together EMP uh, 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 plans to take out our electrical grid. Can you imagine that if food shelves were empty for six months or more? You need a food insurance plan. Build one. Build one cheaply, effectively with the best quality food insurance products out there. My Patriot Supply has them. This week, My Patriot Supply is offering a food kit that averages 2,000 calories a day for four weeks. Go to my site, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com, and you'll save $100 on it today. This four-week food kit includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners that last up to 25 years, not 2.5, 25 years in storage. Prepare with My Patriot Supply today. It's a smart thing to do. Do it now at preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. You'll save a bunch of money, and you'll be prepared. That's what you need. All right. Um, one let's just start with the 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 Super Bowl yeah, so the Democrats have to politicize everything which is funny Joe because the NFL um you know the NFL was their biggest fan they loved the NFL when Colin Kaepernick uh was kneeling uh and and, and basically crapping on the country wearing uh remember that Joe wearing the socks uh with, with police officers depicted as as pigs uh Colin Kaepernick was the left's biggest fan they then they loved the NFL when they kept him on board now uh because the Patriots, Won the Super Bowl and were competing in the Super Bowl. The Daily Beast, uh, that the, the ridiculous far left tabloid site, put out a piece before the Super Bowl started yesterday. Joe, that uh, and I quote: "The Patriots are the preferred team of white nationalists." Oh man, come um, on, okay, yeah, yeah, no, you know, not come on. So uh, yeah, that they, they really they, that really happened. Yip, yip, this yip, is, shows yip. you they politicize everything. Do you understand the fight we're in, folks? They will politicize everything. I've said to you before, uh, the reason people like me, Joe, and a lot of patriots out there support Donald Trump is not because he's he's a without sin or he's uh you know he's perfect or we should beatify him as a, as a saint. That's not the case. We support Trump because we're in a situation of battlefield morality right now. It's important you understand this. I can't bring this home enough to you. Battlefield morality. In other words, when you're sitting there in a trench. In, 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 a, in some kind of an ideological war footing, and I don't usually typically like war analogies because it's a unique thing, and people who've been there, not including me, understand that. I only know that because I've spoken to many of them, and, it is, and one of them in particular changed my life. But it's important in this situation because it's the only analogy powerful enough which I think will sink into people that in this, in this battlefield mentality, when you're looking at your battle buddy next to you, or if you're in some dangerous situation, you don't ask him what his Twitter behavior is, how he treated his ex-girlfriend. You're worried about staying alive. <sighs> yeah. And the problem is the Democrats, right, Joe, have fostered upon us, have have hoisted onto our backs a situation where everything is political. Yep. They've they've destroyed football, um, you know, you bathroom usage has become political. Everything. The very existence as a Catholic and a Christian in this country has become political. When you are in that situation where you feel an existential threat to who you are and what you believe in in your country, you get the battle buddies on your side that you know are going to fight. And Trump is clearly a fighter. It explains 99% of the support for him and why people like me support him too. I wish the Democrats would get that. They politicize everything. Hey, just a quick side note before I move on to Thanks to everyone who... uh, Watch our video clip on Twitter. We're not going live yet or, uh, or or putting our entire show video on YouTube yet, but it'll be there soon. But we, if you follow me on Twitter uh, and Facebook, I'm um, the verified account, the checkmark account there. You'll see that uh, we're putting some video clips up from the show. And I got a lot of comments on you, Producer Joe. Oh, did you? <laughs> People finally get... Yes, yes. People are sending me emails. So happy to finally see oh, Producer thank Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I a lot of comments about how I was eating the mic last time. So, yeah. But it's because we're used to audio only, and I get on top of the mic a lot, so uh, forgive me for that. All right, but moving on. They politicize everything, everything. So uh, in the interest of openness and honesty, folks, with you, because this show matters to me, and, and my credibility to you uh, is everything, there's a couple of things I want to address before I move on. I've got a, a lot of great stories for you today, so don't go anywhere. First, I got an email this morning from a guy. Understandably, he said, you know, Dan, you said on Fox and Friends this morning that you watched some clips from the Super Bowl. And I did. I saw the fourth quarter of uh, my wife, some of the halftime show and a portions of the beginning of the show until we flipped off to the puppy ball. And he brought up a great point and I want to address it. So we're crystal clear on everything. And, you know, listen, I, I appreciate your feedback, folks. The difference between this show and other shows is Joe and I read it and it matters. I, I don't pretend to have some kind of a thick skin. If I feel like I let my audience down, it matters to me. And he mm-hmm. said, Dan, you said conservatives never forget. Which we do. We, and we still, they don't, Joe. Target and other things like that. When you insult conservatives and you go after them, especially the NFL, they never forget. I have not watched an NFL game in three years. Um, why did I tune in yesterday for portions of it? Uh, I did, folks, because I felt some obligation given the cultural significance of the game. It's not just the game. I didn't watch the playoffs, I didn't watch a game the whole season, but it's more of a cultural event. And I, f- uh, candidly, folks, and I understand if you may be upset and I, I, I appreciate your feedback. Either way, I, I feel like there'd be a vacuum in the show today if I didn't at least have some idea of what happened. And I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean that in any way to sound hypocritical. I'm done with the NFL. Nice. Paula, you're outside. You're my my wife knows me better than anyone. Paula, are we done with the NFL? <laughs> Thank you. We are. I'm sorry. It's over. Like, I was a huge Raiders fan. I loved the Ravens when I was in Maryland. I used to listen to the games on WBAL. Um, But being in this space and commenting, there are people who are expecting at least something on it. And I just want to be sure I didn't miss something there. So forgive me. I I, I get that some of you were, were bothered by that. And I totally understand um, but again, I don't I don't regret it. I think I had to do that for a reason. But I am done. I mean, I'm out, I don't watch the NFL anymore. They burned me. And I said until they come out with a conclusive statement, rebuking attacks on police officers, uh, everything else, the kneeling and they institute a, a policy where you're going to stand for that national anthem. I am done. But uh, I understand your problem with me tuning into portions of it yesterday. Um, and it matters. But secondly, um, I had talked about this Northam case. Let me just get into it first. The uh, governor of Virginia, who may not be the governor of Virginia by the time uh, today is over, All Monday. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't bother Joe about this this weekend, although he—I uh, frequently talk to him about you know issues and commentary with the show—and I, I didn't talk to my wife about it a lot either because I didn't want to ruin. It was my child's uh, my youngest uh, birthday party this weekend. I had hmm. a daddy daughter dance, and I did have some other things going on. I have a life. But um, some of you are a bit disappointed that the, the Northam photo, he is the governor of Virginia. There was a photo that surfaced in his yearbook of two individuals, um, one dressed in a in a, a just, um, I mean, a, a, I don't even know how to describe the horror of seeing someone in a Ku Klux Klan outfit in a picture taken in 1984. Uh, as <laughs> yeah. if it was, I mean, when, when the Ku Klux Klan was at, at peak popularity, uh, it, it, it in the South, it was a this, it's a terror organization. It's a terror not not that you you understand what I'm saying. Like, it, how did you not understand this when it was happening? But in 1984, it, I, I I the red lines in society we don't cross. Now this, you get where I'm going with this? Like the, yeah. to appear in a Klu Klux, you might as well dress up as the, the devil incarnate. Uh, there was there's no um more reviled organization in the United States right now um, than any remnants of this disgusting filth left. So to put yourself in a photo there or or anyone and to put it in a yearbook is obviously a red line that should never be crossed in a civilized society. This picture surfaced. And I had brought up because I was honest in an interview on Friday uh, on the Tucker Carlson show, which by the way, was about a different topic. I wasn't on to discuss the governor of Virginia, um, in an interview on the Tucker Carlson show, I was asked at the end of Tucker's show, hey, what are your what's your take on Northam? And I was honest. I said, listen, I was sent this picture by a guy, and I appreciate the guy sending, he knows who he is, um, in October of twenty eighteen, but could not verify it. And I the the by the way, the amount of emails I got on this was overwhelming. Um and 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 I I kid you not, ninety nine percent were supportive. Saying, Listen, I understand I you didn't you couldn't verify it, you didn't run with it. And I couldn't. And a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks came in and said, well, you know, you, you could have drove down to the campus, picked up the yearbook, folks. In October of 2018, put yourself in my position. What's going on? I have a three-person crew back then, three, including me. It's my wife and Joe, right? That's really it. Yeah. I have, but what, what else happened in October of 2018, Joe? There was this little book that we came, it was it literally came out a week before I get this email. I have three jobs at the time. Mm-hmm. NRA TV, uh, my book is in full blown. Uh, it's going crazy, and we're, we're we're being sent tips and everything. Our email box is overwhelming. We're getting close to two, three hundred emails a day on Spygate and other stuff as well. And additionally, I'm doing my show, and I'm a dad to two young girls, and a husband. Uh, folks, this is not, you know, uh, the Washington Post. The Washington Post isn't the Washington Post, which is kind of funny, but. I don't have a staff, when I can't verify something, and I couldn't, I just did not have the time to do it the right way, I don't run with the story. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I have no regrets at all, none. I I don't I don't know what I, when Joe when we get nailed on something on the show like mm-hmm. remember we had there I was I made the mistake I predicted the Blasey Ford wouldn't show up I was devastated mm-hmm. uh, when I was wrong in that prediction yeah. and what do we do we came out of the show yeah. we gave a heartfelt apology because I feel like I owe you my best analysis and my analysis was wrong on that but we have on Spygate. We have been on it and on other stuff as well, by the way. We have been on it from day one. If you're listening to the show, you are three, four months ahead of the news cycle. I can't run out everything. I didn't have the crew to do it. It's as simple as that. I have absolutely no regrets. None. Why couldn't you drive out? Because I had three, I was working 15, 16 hour days. We get, do you understand how many tips we get every day? And folks, if you send me a tip and you don't get a follow-up, please, send, it doesn't have to go through me. I am not concerned on my site with clickbait or breaking stories so that everybody will rush up. I'm not, I am not concerned. I'm concerned with the truth. If someone else breaks a big story you sent to me and didn't get the results you needed, that is great. I will talk about that till kingdom come. I wish I would have gotten Chuck Ross's scoop at the Daily Caller about Stefan Halper, but I didn't. But I applaud Chuck Ross. He did great work. I did not have the capabilities. Now, we've expanded our staff a bit. We have some ability now, limited, but some ability to run stuff out. But if you don't get the results from me, you follow up with somebody else please, I appreciate that you all email me. That's why I leave my email out there. But I am not a repository for every single political tip that comes in ever that I I can run it out exhaustively. I just don't have the ability to do that. I was focused almost exclusively on what I feel to be the biggest scandal of our time, Spygate. And even there, Joe, sorry to be long-winded about this, but it's important. Even there, there are scoops we had long ago that we didn't run with and we passed off to other people and to the female right Joe to the yeah. female reporter you know who you are who we sent one of the biggest tips in the entire spy gay case a name that had been previously unsurfaced. you know who you are I let that person run with it because it wasn't important to me to be the one there on the face of it what was important is it got out the right way that's what's important so again I I'm sorry but if you're looking for an apology here I have no regrets at all I will verify what I can verify and run with what I can run with when I'm ready to do it. And when I'm not, I'm not. I would rather miss a thousand big scoops and let other outlets pick them up than than be wrong on one of them and have the show's credibility in the can forever. And if that bothers you, that's fine. The show is free. I love my audience to death. And it's precisely why I refrain from running. Do you know how many other stuff is sitting in my mailbox out there? That's, you know, we get three to four hundred emails a day sometimes. I just wanted to address that. Now, on to the the core of this. Listen, uh, with Northam, the the pictures are disgusting. And by the way, nobody can verify yet that it's him in the photo. Is it him? Is it not? I don't know. I have no idea. Nobody knows Uh, until someone comes forward and can conclusively prove it's him. um, Nobody knows that. Having said that, the fact that this appeared on his page is done. It's done, though. He's finished. Guy's done. He's finished. This is 1984. Uh, It doesn't, again, it doesn't matter when it was. The, the, The guys, somebody on his page is in a Ku Klux Klan outfit. That's the story. The period, that's it. He cannot go on. He must resign. He has no political capital left at all. I've explained to you political capital repeatedly. It's like a bank account. The way the political capital bank account works is you make deposits, endorsements, good legislative proposals, policy procedures, positive approval numbers in your polls, and those are like deposits in that political bank account. As the balance in that political bank account goes up, you can do things. You can move the public position. You can move legislation. As the political bank account drops down and down and down, you lose the ability to influence the population and move an agenda you want. Do you understand that Nordham's political bank account, Nordham right now is zero? It's zero. He has no support from anyone. He has to resign. You, This is a red line in America. We just, I'm sorry, but cannot be crossed. You can't have a Ku Klux Klan picture. Is this, I mean, is this hard for reasonable people to understand? He has to go. But having said that, because that's his common sense analysis right there. Secondly, we cannot let the Democrats off the hook here. Folks, do not eliminate the possibility that this photo was leaked by Democrats. Now, why did this come out now? The answer, ladies and gentlemen, is pretty obvious. It came out because Northam was becoming a political liability. Why? He was a political liability because he spoke the truth about what late-term abortion really is. It is the killing, the termination of the life of a fully formed infant child. And Northam was one of the first Democrat politicians to go on a major market radio station, WTOP, in the nation's power center. I know the station well. I lived in Maryland. It is the most powerful station in that area. Joe knows it well, too, being in that radio business. Their ad rates are absurd because their audience is enormous. It's a monster. He went on the station, it's a monster, and talked about a monstrous procedure, the termination of a young life. And he spoke about it honestly. He had to go because the Democrats have tried to make a distinction for a long time between, quote, reproductive health and the termination of life. They have tried to reframe the argument away from what it is, Joe. Abortion. It is the termination of a human life. I know why you took Joe off, Paula. Joe, Paula just took Joe off the scene because she sees me staring at him. I, I totally... That, <laughs> that video, I can totally get in my wife's head. She sees <laughs> me looking at him up on the screen up there. Folks, this is the termination of a human life. Abortion, right? Yeah. And it was... they The Democrats have tried to reframe this consistently to a reproductive health argument. Northam brought it right back, Joe, to what it is. <laughs> Mm -hmm. We'll keep the infant comfortable while a decision, a decision is made, a decision. What decision is there to be made? Keep them comfortable. What are you going to pat them on the back while you're deciding whether to terminate them or not? This was a liability. Northam had to go. Don't discount the fact that this thing was released because I'm telling you multiple people had this thing. Don't discount the fact that it was leaked potentially by Democrats in an effort to get Northam out to get this guy out of office because the abortion, uh, the abortion issue for them is a sacrament. Don't discount that. People had this. I'm not so sure, ladies and gentlemen, I, I they may have hit it for a long time. And they fit. my guess is some Democrats understood it was going to come out anyway some Democrats probably understood that if it was going to come out, this is the time to do it. Let's just take a bath with this guy. He's heard us on the abortion comments. He's heard us elsewhere. It's time to get rid of two controversies at one time. Think, think this through. I don't know. Maybe it's that I've run for office and I've seen how these idiots work that I, I have no faith left in these people at all. I've my, but what I mean by that is that I'm sure people had this before. And they needed to get rid of this guy. Having said that, we cannot let the, let the left off the hook on this. Whenever an abortion comment is made on, on uh, anyone on the conservative or Republican side of the fence, where you think of uh, the Murdoch campaign for Senate in Indiana, the Aiken campaign in Missouri, what happens, Joe? Every single Republican in the country has, must be put on the record from now to the end of time, do you agree with Aiken's comments? Do you agree with Murdoch's comments? Every time. This will go on and on and on. We cannot let the, let the Democrats off the hook. We should demand the same standards of journalism with the dreaded air quotes from the media. The media wants to question people about abortion. Well, when someone makes a comment like this, like Northam justifying infanticide, then I want them on the record, too. Every Democrat should be asked from now through the end of the 2020 campaign for president, every single one, where do you stand on governor or or former governor, the probably soon to be former governor, Northam, he has to resign. Where do you stand on his comments on on, on what effectively was infanticide, the death of a fully born infant? Where do you stand on that? Everyone who shows up at town halls, Everyone who shows up at a meeting for the next runs for Congress, the Senate, and the presidency in 2020 should demand an answer from every Democrat candidate on this. Please. It's only fair. The comments were disgusting. And the efforts to get this guy out of there, Northam, so they can clean the slate on the abortion topic? No, no, no good. Secondly, one more thing. It's kind of not related to Northam, but related to getting the Democrats on the record. It is an imperative. It is key. That we also get the Democrats on the record about what's going on in Venezuela right now. This is an ongoing human tragedy. Millions of people are showing up in the streets to get rid of the socialist despot uh, Nicolas Maduro, a a, a a tyrant and a savage. Socialism has failed in front of the faces of a new generation of people. Joe, Joe, you and I both in our in our adult teen years, mm-hmm. uh, and you're a little older than me, mm-hmm. both watched the collapse of socialism in the Soviet Union in front of our faces and fully understood yes. the damage this system causes. The destitution, the depravity, the starvation, the economic destruction. Mm-hmm. We watched it. It was clear to us. Socialism became a sick, tragic uh, tragic joke on humankind after the Soviet Union collapsed, and only idiots yep. believed in it after that. Now, Because socialism, unlike, uh, say, fascism, has its apologists out there, the Bernie Sanders of the world, and uh, this new generation of Democrats as well, led by Ocasio-Cortez, Rep. Cortez, and others. Socialism has managed to escape the historical stain of death and destruction that fascism has. Frankly, I, I don't understand why. No, me either. Because the Democrats are obsessed with government power. But, I mean, really, fascism is no different. Socialism may be some have have, have economic organizing principles where the government controls the means of production, but its effect on people's lives and the death and destruction is absolutely no different. None. Watching it now, this new generation of people is going to live through what Joe and I and my wife lived through. Watching in live time the destruction of an entire country due to socialism. Every Democrat, just like Northam's comments about abortion needs to be on the record, every one of them, about what's going on in Venezuela right now. You either stand up and speak out against socialism and the death and destruction it causes right now, firmly and on the record, or you will be considered an accomplice to the death and destruction it brings about because you did not have the guts, the nerve, or the cojones to stand up when it mattered. It's disgusting. Every Democrat on the record, and I'm not just talking about the presidential candidates, I'm talking about congressmen, city council people, everyone at a town hall. Everyone should post on their Facebook page, should tweet to them. You want an on the record comment. Where do you stand on Venezuela socialism and the destruction this thing causes? I want a yes or a no. Is socialism the disaster it appears to be in Venezuela right now or not? Get them on the record. Because when, when, when the left-leaning media thought capitalism failed, you know, the housing market, show and the recession brought mm-hmm. about by the housing crisis, mm-hmm. which was not a failure of capitalism. It was a failure of government trying to intervene in capitalism. But, the, <laughs> of course, the left-leaning media, this is the death of capitalism, as we know. We even had rhino Republicans, like people on the Bush team, and Bush himself at one point, we had to interfere in capitalism to save capitalism. That wasn't capitalism. <laughs> but now that we've seen the unquestioned death of hard socialism in Venezuela, the torture, the depravity, of Banduro's death squads going into poor villages, rustling people out of their homes, torturing them and killing them. Read the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today by Mary Anastasia O'Grady. Read the op-ed about what his death squads are doing. Get them all on the record, just like with the abortion comments. Do not give them a pass. All right, I got a lot more to get to, folks. Uh, There was a, I had a eureka moment this weekend, a eureka moment about this Trump Tower meeting. The the Trump Tower meeting that, of course, it broke on on Friday, we covered last week, the Don Jr. Trump Tower meeting, where it was alleged that Don Jr. had called his father, President uh, Trump, or candidate Trump at the time, about this Trump Tower meeting with these two Russians, which, Joe, as you know, is used as the bedrock of the Democrat conspiracy (laughs) theory that Trump colluded with the Russians. Well, of course, it came out that Don Don Jr. did not call his father after the meeting. These blocked numbers were to business associates and other people debunking another far-left conspiracy theory. But I had a eureka moment about this Trump Tower thing this weekend that I've got to pass on to. I think it's going to explain a lot. Don't go anywhere. Uh, let's get to this for Today's show uh, brought to us by 1-800-Flowers as well. By now, most of us have started racking our brains about what Valentine's gift is truly going to make her day special. With 1-800-Flowers.com. It's really not that complicated. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are a no-brainer. We just got a couple dozen, by the way, uh, from them, and they are gorgeous. Beautiful long-stem roses, uh, just absolutely incredible. Uh, we, there were my, a couple people came into my house this week and I commented on I kid you not. Uh, right now, when you order early, 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on vibrant and romantic Valentine's rose bouquets, arrangements, and more, starting at just twenty nine ninety nine. There are so many unbelievable deals from 1-800-Flowers, but you have to hurry. Really, the bouquet they sent us was really amazing. Uh, roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure fret, freshness and her amazement. Gorgeous Valentine's bouquets and arrangements starts at just $29.99, but it won't last long. Bouquet prices will be going up soon, so take advantage today. Pick your delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. When it comes to Valentine's, I don't settle for anything less than my rose authority, 1-800-Flowers.com. Here's how to order. Do it today. To order Valentine's bouquets, arrangements, and more starting at $29.99, go to one 800 is You got to click the radio icon and enter code Bongino. Order today and you'll save at 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon and put in promo code Bongino. Click the radio icon and put in promo code Bongino. Thank you very much for supporting our sponsors. Uh, it's great to have them on board. Okay, so this Veselnitskaya thing is a trip. I'm sitting here, and I'm reading and reading, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through this New York Times piece from that suspicious July 2017 period. Uh-huh. And they, they they remember July of 2017, all this stuff breaks at the same time. Papadopoulos, George Papadopoulos is arrested at the airport. Uh, Bob Mueller gets notification that the Peter Stroke text will be released. Uh, there's a lot going on in July of 2017. The House special counsel calls for uh, a, the House, uh, excuse me, GOP calls for a second special counsel investigation. Paul Manafort and Don Jr. Are interviewed about the Trump Tower meeting. Paul Manafort is an early morning raid at his house. July 2017, I'll make the case to you by summing all this up. For you regular listeners, you've heard this before, but it's worth repeating here. July 2017 is when the Civil War breaks out here. When Mueller realizes his investigation is, is probably a sham. The House GOP realizes this is deeper than it really is, because uh, than, it, than it seems, because they have now the texts. They've seen the texts from Peter Stroke, the investigator, who has done nothing but act in a biased manner towards Trump. Uh, but also at that time, the New York Times, and I want to hat tip a, a source, again, showing you we when we can follow up, we do, but we can't on everything. Uh, there's one source I've been working with who's really good, um, and he sent me this piece again. He's like, read this again. And in there, in this July piece where they talk about this Trump Tower meeting, it seems the New York Times got a leak from someone in the FBI looking to paint this Trump Tower meeting between uh, Don Jr. and these two Russians as evidence of the conspiracy. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, this is a setup, and now it's completely obvious what's going on, okay? So let me just paint this picture to you. In a New York Times piece, right, where they discussed Don Jr. meeting with these two Russians at Trump Tower, they say at one point, a spokesman for uh, the White House's legal uh, legal advisors over there, says that the, the Russian lawyer that showed up to meet with uh, Don Trump Jr., Joe, employs a PI whose firm Fusion GPS produced an intelligence dossier that contained unproven allegations against the president of the United States, Mm -hmm. president Trump, or at the time candidate Trump. Mm -hmm. All right. You're like, all right, Dan. So what's the, what's the point? You read that last week. Oh, something clicked to me, Joe. I had automatically assumed last week because it came from the white house that, that, private investigator working with the Russian lawyer who shows up was Christopher Steele. Hmm. So track me folks. I believe it was a setup. I believe those Russians were sent to meet with Don Jr at Trump Tower exclusively to set him up and frame him for what was later to become the Russian collusion narrative. I'm absolutely sure of it now. The New York Times reports in July of 2017 that the Russian lawyer that shows up according to the White House. Remember, Joe, Trump knows all this. Right, He's seen the declassified data. Trump, do not sell this guy short. He knows exactly what he's doing right now. Right, That a spokesman for the White House legal office says that, hey, this Russian lawyer that shows up basically employs an investigator working with the company hired by Hillary. In other words, indicating that this is a setup. I believe this thing she was talking about, Steele. I don't think they are. I think they're talking about someone else, Joe. I think there's a strong likelihood, Hmm. based on some of the reporting I've read out there and put together, and some sourcing here, that the private investigator Veselnitskaya is working with is a guy named Ed Baumgartner. Now, you may be saying, I don't get any of this. You just told us, you know, Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS, they put together the dossier, and then the same company they're working for, uh, hires this Russian lawyer who shows up to meet with Trump Tower. Now you're saying it may be another but Listen, here's some reporting. Paul Sperry has done some terrific work over at the New York Post. Let me read to you a quote from an old piece here. This is an older piece, and this was the Eureka moment where I'm thinking, is it Steele? Is, is the lawyer that shows up to meet with, Trump, uh, with Don Jr., is it Steele? And I don't think it is. I think it's this guy Baumgartner. Here, from the piece, follow me. Joe, again, stop me if something doesn't make sense. But mm, it, do. This is important. But it turns out, this is from the New York Post's very piece, but it turns out that the primary subcontractor worked not for Steele, they're talking about this guy Baumgartner, but for Simpson at Fusion GPS, and he contributed key materials in the investigation of Donald Trump underwritten by the Clinton campaign. His name is Ed Baumgartner, a British national who speaks fluent Russian and runs a PR shop out of London, and who spent 2016 tweeting his forceful opposition to Trump's candidacy. While Baumgartner was working on the dossier, he was also working for Simpson on another case to smear an anti-Putin whistleblower in an effort to help Putin-tied company Previson defend itself against U.S. charges of money laundering. Who else was working on that Previzan case for Fusion GPS? Veselnitskaya, the Russian lawyer that shows up up to meet with Donald Trump. Hmm. Now, I get... Some of you may be confused. Why would, why would the, why would the FBI and others out there, if the real source for the dossier Joe, is not Christopher Steele, the former MI my five MI, what MI six agent in uh, in the UK, the intel guy from the United Kingdom that was hired by Fusion GPS, if Christopher Steele. Isn't the real source from the dossier for the dossiers, we've been led to believe. Mm-hmm. And Baumgartner is. Why are they hiding this? And does the White House know this? Because notice they didn't when the White House guy says, hey, that Russian lawyer that showed up was working with some PI, notice they don't name him. Joe, if the FBI was looking to attribute information to a source, do you think you'd want a source? Who is was credible, or do you think you'd want a source you'd never worked with before? I think credible comes out on top there, Dan. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Armacost. Thank you very much for providing sophisticated investigative analysis. Anytime. I'm just messing. Joe's the best. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the way information works, and you verify information, if you're using a source, I know I I did this stuff, is you have to do one of, of two things. If you get information that your neighbor's a drug dealer, um, right, it, it, for, and you want to bring it to the cops, your information has to be verified for the police officers or the federal agents, or there's another prong to be able to use that information. The other prong of that test is you can have a reputation for having uh, brought in in the past reputable information they can document. Do you you, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. In other words, hey, Dan Bongino walked into the Secret Service office and said his neighbor was dealing drugs. Oh, really? Or, or the his local police office. Well, has Dan worked with us before? No. Okay. What do you have to do next, Joe? Then Mm -hmm. they have to go verify because I've never worked with them before. But if I've brought in 15 or 20 solid, um, advanceable tips they can advance on and they turned out to be true, in court, they can use that, that I have a record of working with them in the past as a reputable source. Mm -hmm. Folks, see where I'm going with this. This was an important moment this weekend. Now it makes sense that Steele was not the source of the information, the dossier at all, but his face was put on it. It was probably Baumgartner's information, but because the information was spurious from Baumgartner and they couldn't verify it, they had to go with the other prong. What's the other prong? It had to come from the guy they worked from before. Listen to what I'm telling you. When you get this information, two ways. You either verify it independently, which they couldn't because the dossier is junk. You get it, Joe? Or secondly, they can verify, air quotes the information, by showing it came from a reputable source they'd worked from in the past. They had neither of those. Baumgartner is not a guy with some long documented intelligence source history with the FBI that they could use. So what happened? Instead of attributing the dossier to him, they let Steele put his name on it, who had worked with the FBI in the past, on the soccer corruption case, the FIFA case, and all of a sudden it was lent an air of legitimacy. Joe, please tell me you're tracking me here. This is a hugely important point. Hanging right with you. Yep. Now it makes sense. This was, again, a setup the whole time. And I only bring this up not to keep hammering the Spygate thing, but because this Trump Tower story that's now falling apart, this is the Democrats' whole case. These two Russians met with Don Jr. at Trump Tower. This, their look, they were colluding. They were sent there clearly by people with a political motive and a political agenda. Let me read to you from a, another line from the Daily Caller. The other guy who shows up, the other Russian, the intelligence-connected guy, Rinat Akmetshin, here's a quote from him in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I knew Clinton. I knew some people who worked on her campaign. <laughs> this is the other Russian that showed up. Are we missing this? <laughs> so let me sum this up because I want to move on. I got other stuff to get to. The Trump Tower thing is their entire story. Not because they believe it was the start of any kind of Russian collusion. That's not what happened. The Trump Tower story is important to them with Don Jr., ladies and gentlemen, because it is evidence, direct evidence, that they tried to set the Trump family up. And they need to flip the script and spin the narrative to a collusion story to hide the fact that this thing was a setup. The lawyer that shows up, the White House already knows this, is working with a private investigator who put together the fake dossier. The private investigator according to the reports that are already out there is likely Baumgartner who produced this dossier or evidence in it. And the reports indicate that Baumgartner may be the source of this stuff. The problem is Baumgartner doesn't have Steele's reputation. They needed to put a face on this friendly to the FISA court. So they slapped Steele's face on it because he's a former Intel guy who'd worked with the FBI before. It makes perfect sense. And any other Russian that shows up for this meeting is, admits on the record he knows Clinton and her campaign staff. Why, is it, why, are, why isn't anybody asking these questions? You know the answer because they don't want the answers. That's why. It was a setup. Was Baumgartner the source of the dossier or not? And if he was, why did the FBI disingenuously claim it was Christopher Steele's information? The answer is obvious. They needed his face to put on it to make this thing sound like it was semi legitimate when it was a steaming pile of garbage that's why oh it's just disgusting i'm sitting here this weekend i'm reading and i'm reading that new york times piece about how vessel in the sky and the white house said a pi she worked with a pi and i'm thinking why didn't they name him and it made perfect sense. They're probably not naming him because the White House has this information, probably knows the Steele story is a total farce. It wasn't Steele, it was probably this Baumgartner guy. And he had no credibility with the Bureau at all. They slapped a new face on it. Again, the movie script, you know, redo. Ugh, frustrating. All right, here we go um hey what's your gift uh, what's your uh, gift this valentine's day how about taking 10 or 15 years off your appearance with the new genucell jawline treatment my mother-in-law loves this stuff joe's favorite read right no more turkey necks double chins or sagging jawlines and it works amazingly well just listen to linda b from marina del rey i love your jawline cream it really works i mean i really see a difference and people will never believe my age it works And from now to Valentine's Day, the brand new Genucell jawline treatment is yours free when you order Genucell for bags and puffiness under the eyes. And for results in 12 hours, the Genucell immediate effects is also free. Text the word Young to 77453 or go to Genucell.com. Say goodbye to that double chin, bags under your eye, bags under your eyes, and even those laugh lines and crow's feet. Gone, guaranteed, or your money back. Text Young to 77453 or go to genucell.com order now and get the Genucel xv collagen builder and free express shipping crazy offer for only one more week text young to 77453 or go to genucell.com that's genucell g-e-n-u-c-e-l.com genucell.com text young to 77453 this stuff is great you won't regret it okay um a couple more stories that i think are important there's uh, another pseudo scandal, Joe breaking out. Um, Axios uh, you know broke a story. I'll, uh, I'll put that in air quotes there. I have it in the show notes today. I strongly encourage you to read it um, about how the president spends his time in the Oval Office. The story, the, the the lead in the story is this. you know the the president spends most of his time in executive time. In other words, what they're trying to say is that the president's lazy and doesn't like a structured schedule. Now, I feel a unique ability to comment on this, given my you know nearly five years working inside the White House for two presidential administrations and how they work. And I want to explain to you, to refute to your liberal friends, why this story is bogus. Again, the, the gist of it from Axios is that the president spends most of his time unstructured in the White House under what they're calling executive time. Liberals are using this to say, look, he's lazy. He doesn't want to do anything. He spends his time watching TV. This is what they do. Folks, that is not what's happening right now. Now, the Axios story is not wrong. I, I'm, I'm not trying to impugn this. The story indicates it on his line by line schedule, which, when you're a Secret Service agent or a staffer, you'll get every day. Right. You'll get. We make them into minis. We shrink them. We take like an eight by eleven piece of paper and we shrink them and we we'll stick them in our pocket. It indicates where the president's going to be the whole day. Meeting in the Situation Room. Meetings in the Oval. Um, and it'll typically lay out specifically what's going to happen. The way this president's schedule is done is significant blocks of time they leave open as executive time, and they don't describe the specifics of what happened. But what I find odd about the piece is, while it it, it looks to it's, at some points try to parrot the liberal narrative that the president's being lazy, it includes later on in the piece, Joe, that a lot of this executive time is in fact spent in meetings and phone calls. Now. The key question you need to ask, right, right? Isn't it weird, Joe? It's like yeah. the president's not doing anything all day. And then later on, it talks about how the president's doing something all day. Yeah. It says he gets up early. He's on the phone. He's shaking the trees. And then he meets with people, and they just don't describe sometimes who's in the meetings. Now, you, you, as an entrepreneurial listener and potentially viewer of a clip here on the show now, you, what you should be asking yourself, because you don't have Trump derangement syndrome and you're reasonable, is why would the President of the United States and his staff choose to do things differently and not line out in his line-by-line schedule the specifics of every single meeting and everything he does? Well, Joe, what's happened in this administration that's been different than other administrations we've seen in modern uh, presidential history? That would be the tweeting, Dan. Well, the, uh, the well, not just the tweeting, Joe, but leaks. Yeah, that, would leaks, leaks. Dan. Yeah. that would be leaks, Dan. That would be leaks, yeah. Dan. That would be leaks. Yes. They have leaked people on the inside. Career swamp rats. What I'm going to get into in a second of the, among the Iron Triangle and a great piece I have up in the show notes about uh, an American greatness. Uh, it's really good about the Iron Triangle. What has happened here is clearly people are threatened by the Trump presidency and his willingness to do things differently. His willingness to call out uh, the intelligence community and others. His willingness to... I man, Joe, you're not wrong, by the way. Don't that, the, the, the tweeting thing is different. You're not wrong about that at all. His willingness to use his social media account. Yeah to advance his portion of a narrative and use his, his bully pulpit where he deems it appropriate. Mm-hmm. That is different, but that's a challenge to the swamp. Now, when I say a challenge to the swamp, I don't mean that in just a, you know, it, it toss it off kind of rhetorical attack way. There are legitimate things that are happening with this president. There are careers at stake. There's money at stake. People who invested themselves, Joe, in policy outcomes, who were counting on regulatory capture joining agencies uh you know for the sole purpose of leaving that agency later to join a lobby firm to influence that agency after they resign promises that were made to parents and and people about jobs uh lifetime uh, sinecures there and positions that would be turned over to people from these are this is all at stake they have leaked incessantly people pretending to be close to this president using their positions to damage him this is real. Now, what does this have to do with the schedule? The president and his team have chosen to leave the details off because they can't govern with constant leaks from the inside about every single thing he's doing all the time. Now, there have been leaks in the White House before. That's not new. But never, never, and no serious person would question this. No true Scotsman. <laughs> no, but I hate no true Scotsman. But if you, you know what I mean, for those of you understand it. But uh, in this case, it's true. No serious person would argue that the volume of leaks coming out of the White House now and the damage are unparalleled. There is no parallel. There's nothing like this. And the president and his staff, until they can weed out the leaks, or a significant portion of them, have chosen to unstructure his schedule and leave key details out so the president can effectively act as the executive of the country without having to worry every two seconds about someone leaking who he's talking to and getting a head start on it. I totally understand. And ladies and gentlemen, I still know people who work in the White House. The president is not lazy, as as some uh, I think the article means at some point to uh, to impugn the president with that label. That is not the case at all. He is very engaged. Listen, I don't do golden calf stuff. There's no reason for me to tell you this. No one asked me to tell you this. But that's just not the facts. You want to to take the word from a guy who still talks to people on the inside or people who claim to know people on the inside. That's not what's happening. Anyone telling you the president sits around all day, you know, watching TV, doing nothing, or not telling, I'm just telling you it's not the truth. It's factually incorrect. But that's what the article, read it. I mean, check it out. It seems to uh, imply. All right. Um, I wanted to get to this last story because it's something I've discussed uh, on the show frequently. I have a lot of um, books I really enjoy. Some I bring up a lot. Black Swan, which used to drive Joe crazy, one of my favorite books. Uh, not because he doesn't like the book, but because I bring it up all the time. Um, what else? Capitalism and Freedom, Vision of the Anointed by Thomas Sowell. Capitalism and Freedom by Milton Friedman. Uh, these are all life changing books. When you read them, they'll just change the way you look at everything. But one of the books I read that I know Andrew Wilkow from the Wilkow Majority. He has a show on uh, on uh, SiriusXM Patriot. Who's he's a good friend of mine. Um, Wilkow loves this book too, and he's a he's a Wilkow's a great guy. He likes to deep uh, he likes to deep think about this stuff. He really does. Is a book called The Revolt Against the Masses by Fred Siegel. It's a very 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 good book. Um, Siegel exposes the history of far leftism and socialism and how, Joe, it is actually an it is an anti egalitarian movement, how there's nothing about socialism or liberalism. Uh, that that's in any way meant to help out the middle class man. It's always been an elitist, snobbish system meant to empower people at the expense of the working class. Now you may say, "Well, that's crazy." Liberals are constantly out there touting how they're in it for the little guy. No, no, no. Not only are they not in it for the little guy; they're there to destroy the middle guy. And when you read "Revolt Against the Masses," you'll see that's the, the title of the book, Im- implies exactly what he's saying that. This is exactly what liberals are—they're elitist snobs who can't stand you. I mean, these comments, Joe. Think about it. Uh, from that that loser Rick Wilson, this 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 failed uh, oh, r- uh, former Republican strategist nah. who, who who claimed that the, what do you say that Trump voters have no teeth or anything yes. like that. I mean, this guy of all the anti-Trump loot this guy's like the, the he reminds me. Well, what was the guy in Howard Searcher? You know, hero of the stupid or whatever. This is Rick, Rick Wilson. But his, you know, you all have no teeth. And in Hillary's deplorable comment, this is it. These are closet liberals. Wilson, Hillary, these other people, these aren't real. These aren't conservatives. These aren't people who are aligned with the Constitutional Republic. They are aligned against the masses. They think you're all too stupid to make your own decisions for yourself. Mm -hmm. The power center, however, of that movement, as described by Siegel in his book, and covered in this American greatness piece uh, uh, that I have up in the show notes today, the power center has always been what he calls the Iron Triangle, Joe. Now, I know you've heard me talk about this before, but given that he brought it up today, I want to talk about it in in terms of the a, a current news event that's going on and how the Iron Triangle is aligned against you. And I just want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, we are in this by ourselves. Do not wait to be rescued. As a good friend of mine once said, a very powerful person in the conservative movement. She told me once, we are the leaders we've been waiting for. No one on a white horse is going to come in and and rescue us here. There's not going to be any clash of the Titans, Perseus moment. None of this is going to happen. We are the ones that have to change things. This iron triangle is aligned against us. The iron triangle are members of Congress the federal bureaucracy and interest groups, including the media, because the media is a left-wing interest group, large portions of them. Folks, they are aligned exclusively against you. And the Iron Triangle piece in and, and American Greatness is discussed in terms of what happened with foreign policy last week. President Trump got elected president of the United States. He is the commander-in-chief. And has been speaking out forcefully about the need to start to pull back from some of these foreign engagements where we haven't seen any results in a long time. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I respect my audience. That's why I read your emails. That's why I started in the beginning addressing, you know, most people just would let this stuff go. When I get emails that are uh, contradictory to a stated belief I have, I talk about them on the show because this is a back and forth. That's what I love about this show. You have input. You email me. I read the emails. Some people object to my stance, and I believe President Trump is right. It is time for us in some of these engagements in the Middle East and elsewhere for us to start to reevaluate them or pull back. As Nassim Taleb, the author of The Black Swan, says in Skin in the Game, you know, it's easy to send others over there. But when it's your kids and your daughter and your son, I say daughter first because I have daughters. I don't have any sons. It's not so easy then. So, President Trump, Joe, just to be clear, has talked about you know bringing some of our boys and 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 our men and women back home from these engagements where we haven't seen tangible results. And what happened, Joe? The Iron Triangle went absolutely crazy. Even Mitch McConnell and some other Republican senators put out this statement. You know, rebuking President Trump for hasty withdrawals. President Trump was elected. He is the commander-in-chief. He does not answer to Mitch McConnell. McConnell doesn't answer to Trump either. We have three independent branches of government. They are to act in their own defined roles. The legislative branch is not there to act as the commander-in-chief. President Trump is entitled to an opinion. He was voted on by the people. They don't like it. They don't have to vote him back in again. The fact that he has an informed opinion about what's going on in Afghanistan and Syria and the fact that Republican senators had to jump out to this rebuke about a hasty withdrawal and sign on to this letter is a disgrace. The Iron Triangle, it never stops. These people all are vested in a lot of this stuff. They are vested in a lot of these decisions. They are hoping for jobs afterwards. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is a war of attrition now. I bring this up because I was at my um I had a long weekend. I had my daughter's birthday party. So we went to a local uh, a gym kind of place where they can, you know, bounce around and there's like a laser room and stuff and it was a lot of fun and I sat there. We had a, a packed house, which was nice. My daughter was 7 and we had a blast, but um, a lot of people there knew who I was. So, you know, at one point um a couple of uh, women approached me and they wanted to talk about current events and, you know, I, I, what am I going to do? I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't, I don't like, you know, I'm not going to gaff people off, even though it was my kid's birthday. I spent about 20 minutes chatting with them. And the woman at the end said to me, what is going to happen? Is any of this ever going to be fixed? And I said to her, what I'll tell you now, this is a war of attrition folks. None of this is going to be easy. It is going to, Donald Trump is only two years in, in a battle against Congress, his own party, the federal bureaucracy people invested in these decisions interest groups and people whose very livelihood is 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 dependent on the status quo it is going to take president trump a long time it is not in, in 2 years none of this was going to permanently change i don't want you to be disappointed ladies and gentlemen I believe the man is doing the best job he can. It hasn't been without stumbles the first two years. There's no question. There's no need to lionize or golden calf anyone either. But I believe this is the best man for the job right now. We need to stick with him. We don't have anyone else. You cannot rely on these rhinos in Congress. The federal bureaucracy, although, and I'm talking about the, I'm not talking about the law enforcement guys. And women out there in our military or courts, I'm talking about the bureaucrats whose jobs depend on the continuance of federal programs that in a cost-benefit analysis would fail tomorrow. That are invested in policy decisions they made a long time ago for foreign interventions that no matter what metric we can't meet, they still stick to the status quo. Their entire careers and reputations are vested on us. To get those people flushed out, ladies and gentlemen, is going to require more than two years. It is going to require action but patience. It is going to require re-election of President Trump. It is going to require us staying on the Trump administration for good personnel decisions. It's going to require us to get some of these members of Congress who refuse to back an America First agenda out of office in primaries. This was never going to be an easy fight. We have the media against us, academia, interest groups, the entertainment community. It's a tough fight, but it's a winnable one. And it's a worthy one. And it matters. So I said to the woman and a couple of her friends, who seemed, they really did, they seemed dejected, that this fight is not going to be easy. You have to stay in there and stay energized. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be policy things that don't go our way, legislative decisions that don't go our way, courts and judges that are going to rule in an unconstitutional manner against the Trump team. We can't give up. Donald Trump is now has, has 16 appointments waiting on the Ninth Circuit, on the Nutty Ninth. This could tip the balance on some, it will still be a majority Democrat appointees, but it could tip the balance in these three judge pools that are picked. We could, It's going to take time. Remember, the Democrats never, ever give up. They never give up. You don't have to like them, and I certainly can't stand their ideology, but you've got to almost respect the fact that they never give up in their agenda. Not that we should emulate their troubling and disturbing ideology, but the tactics are right. You lose an election, you scrap you, you scrape yourself off, you get up and you just go back to the fight the next day. This matters. This iron triangle is real. These interest groups talk to Congress. They get committee hearings. At a committee hearing, they talk about how, you know, the polar ice caps are melting. We're all going to die. Next thing you know, the interest groups was out a press release. The media runs with it. Next thing you know, we're all terrified of global warming, despite the fact that it's minus 47 in uh, Chicago, whatever, last week. That's the way the Iron Triangle works. We have to fight back with our Iron Triangle. Conservative activist groups, social media, and Freedom Caucus-type politicians who will advance our cause. That's how we fight back. The social media is the great equalizer. It's our ability to get our ideas out there. It's why I'm putting video clips up now. People need to see this stuff. Not just my content, but others. There are a lot of great podcasters out there who do terrific work. A lot of really good people but that's how we fight back. All right ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate uh, you know all your attention today to this and uh you know again, I'm just a guy. Uh, I I don't pretend to be uh you know some kind of what is it? Federalist 51 of men were angels, I'm not. I'm not yeah. an angel. I you know not everything we do works out seamlessly. Uh we don't I wish we had a bigger staff than we do, but I do the best with what I can. We put a lot of work and a lot of hard work for two years of our life into the spy gig. Joe knows I've been calling him on the weekends the entire time, but we shaking trees, working with sources, but you know, not everything works out as well as it could all the time. But I'm candidly telling you on that front, I have absolutely no regrets, none. So I appreciate your attention in that. And, uh, you know, continue to email me. I'll do the best I can, but if you don't get the results you need, please email other people. It's not about us being first. Joe and I don't need that. We need to be right. I need to maintain my credibility with you. It matters. It matters to me. It will always matter to me. You matter to me. That's why I, I cherish your feedback, even when some of it isn't glowing. And I thank you for your continued loyalty to the show. And thanks for all the positive emails too. Yeah. I think a lot of you understand, understood exactly why uh, I did what I did. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I kid you not when I tell you, ninety-nine percent of them uh, were positive. But there are, you know, there are some people who respectfully disagreed. And that's fine. I appreciate that too. So uh, thanks a lot. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes. It is free. It's the subscriptions that drive us up. You don't. Have, there's no charge for that at all. Just go to the podcast app on your iPhone, click subscribe. If you have an Android, you can go to iHeartRadio and it's a follow button there. That's what drives us up the charts. Both are free. It is of no cost to you. Sponsors uh, uh, pay for the show. I'd love to keep it that way. So uh, thanks for doing that. I really appreciate it. And folks, I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.